Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth. Of the Catholic Cafe, and it's always more luxurious, Tom Dorian's sidekick. Wow. When we have a great guest who makes it more luxurious. It's a banner day. It's a banner day, exactly right. Well, we got a a joy-filled guest. It is a joy-filled I wish her name was Joy. That would have been perfect, but it's not. It's okay. Her name is Kelly. You can change it. It's Kelly Walquist. (laughs) Don't change it. Kelly Walquist is a speaker, evangelist. She's a writer. She's also the program manager at the Archbishop Harry J. Flynn Catechetical Institute. Uh, Where is that? That is in St. Paul. St. Paul. And so that, be, that must be where you're from. I am. And I believe it's pretty cold there, like about 11 and a half months out of the year, right? Isn't it like below freezing <laughs> for a long time? You have like a, a four-day summer or something like my that? My kids haven't been to school in a long time because of cold and snow. Yeah. That's oh, right. Wow. Well, that, that's, I'm sure you have them like painting the house and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. Oh, maybe not. That's topic for another show. Yeah. Instead, you know, I think uh, one of the things that you travel around speaking and evangelizing about is the new evangelization, and you've got this real cool connection to the uh, Pope Francis's latest um, apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel. And so you've been talking about the joy of the new evangelization, so I thought that'd be a great topic here in the Catholic Cafe. Wonderful. I'd love to talk about it. Well, so what we should probably start doing, though, first is, is what is evangelization? You know, what do, we, what do we mean by that word in the first place? Evangelization, to share the gospel, to share the message of good news. It's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to do as Christians and as Catholics. So, in other words, once you get this, uh, uh, the joy of the gospel, you're not supposed to sit on it. You're just no. going to hold on to it, right? <laughs> we're supposed to share it. We're supposed to share it. Exactly Absolutely. right. And, and, and I guess how you share it is a way. But I will say this before we even talk about how you share things. You know, Catholics aren't always good at sharing, are we? No. No. Yeah. And I, don't, I think they also are a little uh, freaked out by the word evangelization. Hmm. I, I think that Catholics suffer from evangelophobia. Oh. You know, they're, they're afraid of it. <laughs> is that, that's a theological term. It is. I like that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to use that. Evangelophobia. But I think <laughs> what they're afraid of is what they don't know. You know, they think that, oh, I must know my faith absolutely perfectly so I can defend it. Or, I, you know, I must... I must be able to go door to door and say you should be Catholic. Or well, are they also maybe the, is there the fear of rejection or what am I? What's going to happen when they say no? There probably is that because I know I, when I was growing up, I had uh, like ask a girl out a phobia, which is the same <laughs> kind of thing. Like I was always afraid to make that phone call and listen to that long awkward silence on the other end yeah. after I after I put it out there. You know, like oh, yeah. what's coming back? But you're married now. That's so right. You yeah. must have gotten over that phobia at least, a little bit. At least one of them worked. I, Good. I can say that. Right. But but in terms of evangelizing, I think sometimes you know this this whole idea of. What are they going to say? And and when they say something, am I going to be able to defend my position or the position of the church right. at that point? That's That can be intimidating. Right. I like what Pope Francis is saying now is first and foremost, what it's all about is an encounter with Christ. Mm-hmm. So if right. you have that encounter and you have that joy in your heart, which is the joy of Christ, how could you be afraid to share that with exactly. anyone? You know, and that comes right. straight from uh, the Second Vatican Council when they talked about the idea that we are supposed to Christify the world. Mm-hmm. That's really all we're doing is we're sharing Jesus. And I know that starts to sound kind of Protestant, doesn't it? Yeah. I can't <laughs> share Jesus with you. At this. And Catholics, we get nervous when we start doing that stuff, too. Because a lot of times Catholics don't want to go to the prayer groups because 
they're going to make me pray out loud. Right. right? And I know a few memorized prayers, but I don't really know how to express the love of Jesus that I'm feeling. Even though we do, I think we feel that love. Right. It's just hard for us to express sometimes. Well, and I think once you have that encounter with him, you, it's just natural that you want to become the hands of heart and mm-hmm. feet of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's going to be natural. Right. It's going to be natural to you to share that. Think of if you go out and have, you have a great meal. What do you do? You tell everybody. You tell all your friends. You tell them how good it was. Yep. You can say, I was in Memphis, and I had just an awesome I, pulled pork sandwich. I, exactly. And I, and I guess it's part of that is just sort of letting go at right. that point and letting the Holy Spirit kind of take take hold and start to do his work uh, in your life and use you as an instrument. That's that's a that's another thing because we live in a culture, I think, that we want to control everything, don't we? Absolutely. And I think that the key right there is that let go and let the Holy Spirit do it. First and foremost, pray to the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're talking to someone, come Holy Spirit, give me the words, give me the wisdom. Right, but the come Holy Spirit prayer, which a lot of people know, and it's it's a great prayer, but that's about the only time that people ever actually pray to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I and I right. tell people this all the time, that if I'm getting ready to teach, uh, if I'm going to talk, if I'm going to share, if I'm going to preach, whatever I'm doing in my life, I've gotten accustomed now to stop and just for a second and say, Holy Spirit, I really, this would be a good time for you to be with me. <laughs> Right, come because otherwise, it. you know, you don't know if it's you talking or something else, and and you want the you want the something else here. You want the Holy mm. Spirit to speak through you. Well, and I think that's really key. I think the Holy Spirit is probably the most forgotten person of the Trinity, and it, it's so simple to just simply stop and say, "Come, Holy Spirit." Amen. That easy. Mm. That that's easy. Right. And you, you know, uh, Pope Pope Benedict told us that if we want to have a new evangelization, we need a new Pentecost. We need a new coming of the Holy Spirit, which I believe is happening right now. The Spirit is definitely Amen. dwelling among us. You no, know? that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so I'll tell you what. So we've talked about a couple of aspects of evangelization, but why do you think the church is just so keen on evangelization right now? I mean, we've had all these different years, you know, the year of the Eucharist, the year of this, the year of that, year of priests. We have this year of the new evangelization. Why is the church so focused on this new evangelization? Well, I think the church has always been focused on evangelization since uh, since we were commissioned to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Um, I do think that we fell away a little bit from our catechesis and knowing what we were supposed to evangelize. Right. You know, Vatican mm-hmm. I, I think that the term evangelium was used once. Right. Vatican II, you see the term, you know, evangelize, evangelization. Those terms are used like 157 times. Okay, now we're 50 years later, and it is really coming to the forefront. And I think a lot of it, of course, is the Holy Spirit, but I also believe, I believe we've had uh, some influence by what I would call our modern-day uh, magi, right. <laughs> the last three wise men, Blessed John Paul, uh, Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis, have all brought it really to the forefront. You know, and we look at what Pope Benedict did with the Year of Faith, calling us uh, to the Year of Faith, so we have a renewed confidence and a conviction to profess the faith with hope. And so, I think that's really it. We we have some really beautiful leaders in the church right now, and they're they're leading us to share our faith. It, one of the things I love about Pope Francis is if you look at what he's doing right now. I, I've got friends who I uh, who are not Catholic who have come up to me recently, just in the last several months, and said, tell me more about this Francis guy. What is, what's going on with this? Because I really, not that I dislike or didn't like the, the, the previous uh, Holy Fathers, but he speaks, he resonates with, with people now in this sort of, uh, I don't know, tone that just is, is welcoming and inviting. And I, and I love what he's doing because he's bringing a, a joy to the faith that I think maybe we've been, as a, as a people of God, that we've been kind of missing for a little while. 
I agree. Someone just uh, asked me, what is your favorite thing about Pope Francis? Mm -hmm. And my answer was probably as simple as he is simple. And it was, you know what? It's a smile. Because it, (laughs) of course, I love all his teaching. It's warm. It's inviting. Uh, There's a quote. I think it's Madeline Madeline LaEngle. That we draw others to Christ by being a light that is so lovely that mm-hmm. they cannot help but want to know the source of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's your friends. They're drawn to yeah. Pope Francis because right. he is radiating this this light that they're like, what has he got? Mm-hmm. What has he got? Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's also, you, you mentioned the word simple, uh, and that wasn't referring to his mind because he's a very bright man. Mm-hmm. It's talking about like his life. His, he's very mm-hmm. genuine. When you see this man and you hear the stories about paying for his own hotel room and yeah. taking the minibus <laughs> or whatever and all these things that he does to sort of to stay totally in touch with those that, that he's shepherding. He's. He, I think he he makes sure that happens, and he lives a simple, simple life. And I think that people pick up on that and realize, well, wait a second, this is not some guy sitting in an ivory palace on some golden throne. It, it, as much as I would believe that he deserves to be there, because uh, he is. A, he's a he's a great pope. I love him, but at the same time, he wants to be amongst the people and have that sensibility about him that makes you think. Well, I could listen to him because he's he's simple in, right. in his truths. He is, yes, he's simple in his truths. He's taking what may seem complex at times and, and living it right before us. Yeah, and that's that's that that is absolutely beautiful. Now, do you think though that that when people listen to something that Pope Francis is saying, they're seeing this as a form of evangelization? Are they even realizing that evangelizing is taking place at this point, or are they just seeing this like, well, here's a nice guy, you know? Because I. I know that a lot of Catholics are going, what is he doing? Right? Well, he's washing a Muslim woman's feet, or he's doing this. And people wonder, what, what's going on here? Yeah, right? Kind of like they wondered what Jesus was doing. Yeah. yeah. Why so. is he talking to the woman by the well? Good point. That's great. That's beautiful. So and the, 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 I guess the idea that I was getting at is this idea that evangelization can be something other than because if we're going to say hey it's time to evangelize do we need to go get our latin primers out and and then do we have to memorize the seven gifts of the holy spirit and hear the 12 fruits of the holy spirit which are good things to know by the way i'm not saying we don't know these things but we don't know to have to know the history of the councils and to be able to quote all these things uh, chapter and verse from the from the scriptures we just need to know jesus at that point don't we amen yeah i think you we have to have that encounter with jesus and we also have to have that humility mm-hmm. uh we do want to grow in our faith and our knowledge of our faith but if you're, you should never be afraid to share your love of Christ with someone for fear that they're going to ask you a question you don't know. And I always tell people, if you don't know the question, the answer to the question, just say, I don't know. That's a good question. Right. The and worst we, thing you can do is well, say, oh, yeah, it's this. And you start saying something right. that, it's, that it's not. Right? No, but to say, that, you know what, that's a really good question. Let me, let me look into it and I'll get back to you. Right. It gives you a chance to to go and research what you need right. to know to answer them. Oh, yeah. And I think clarity. also, as, as genuine as you see Pope Francis being, I think that when you're speaking with someone, if you're genuine, in other words, you really do care about sharing the gospel with that person because, because you care about the person, that comes across too as well. That's what a genuineness, yeah. a, yeah. a, a care. I, you know, I fly a lot for my, for my job, and uh, I remember sitting next to a woman, and she was so excited to, to have me come to her to her church Mm -hmm. it wasn't a catholic church and she was telling me oh the music is so great it's so wonderful and she said you know i used to be catholic and i know how boring that Mm -hmm. the mass is and the music is all the same and she said you know wouldn't you wouldn't you like to come and hear this music and i i don't know something must have come across my face and i i just looked at her and thought wow i said i 
I wouldn't leave the Eucharist for anything. Yeah. And she looked at me right in the eyes. She said, I wish I was that convicted about something. Yeah. Mm. You know, so you're right. It's, it's that genuine, that genuine heart, mm-hmm. just sharing with someone else's heart. I don't think we can ever really evangelize someone's head or mm-hmm. mind. It has to be heart to heart. That's, Amen. that's the first start. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I love what the Curcio says. If you're familiar with the Curcio movement, mm-hmm. it's make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. Mm-hmm. If you right. want to bring a friend to Christ, you got to be their friend first. I mean, it needs to be a genuine connection where they really feel like you care and that, you're, that, that it's not a number. Right. Right. Not a, another saved soul. You know, how many you've got? I've got 843. You well, know, like yeah. we have a little, <laughs> little, little merit badges for saving souls. I have 844. No, I'm oh, just good. <laughs> um, well, here's, here's the thing with that. I think, too, in our society, we always want to see results, results, results. Yeah. Check it out the list. And we think, well, what if I don't convert this person? And it's like, that's okay because that's not your job. Right. Exactly. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's right. It's your job is not to convert someone. Your job right. is to share the yep. truth in your heart, is to share Christ with them, to share what you know to be truth, that God sent his only begotten son to earth to suffer, die, Amen. and rise for our sins. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, we have more to talk uh, with Kelly Walquist about. We're going to do that in just one second. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And we will all be filled with joy here <laughs> if you would just come back right after this. And this is another great moment in church history. The relationship between monastery brew houses and the act of Christian hospitality has nestled a special place in Catholic culture for centuries. As monastic life began to take shape across Europe, the art of hospitality and its connection to monastery living took deep root. Before the modern era of roadside inns, travelers used the network of monasteries as way stations between their destinations. Monastic hospitality directed the monks to care for these travelers. The monastic rule of St. Benedict says, Let everyone that comes be received as Christ. The monks abided by this teaching, and each monastery became known for its hospitality and its own unique brand of ale or beer which was served to thirsty visitors. The work of the monastery was integral to the spiritual life of the monks. Many monasteries were self-sustaining operations with vast tracts of land. The monastic communities relied on the land to provide sustenance for their community. Operating the monastery took hard work and required daily labor from the monks. To sustain themselves, especially during periods of fast, the monks would brew heavy beers and ales. By drinking these fermented concoctions, they were able to stay faithful to their fast, but also able to sustain the energy levels needed for the hard work. Beer was considered liquid bread at the time and enjoyed for its many nutritional properties. As time went on and monasteries became centers of learning and laboratories for science, the monks used their education to perfect the brewing art. They were able to improve production practices and provide this special drink, not only for their own communities, but the villages around them. One particular order of monks, called the Trappist, had become famous all over the world for their beers and ales. The Trappist order was founded in the Cistercian Monastery of La Trappe, France. The founder of the order felt that the Cistercian order as a whole was becoming too lax. 
He instituted strict new rules, and one of the core tenets of the order was that each monastery was to be self-sustaining. The Trappist monks looked to the brew houses that already existed within their walls and began brewing beers and ales for sale to the public. Some of these Trappist monasteries are still brewing beers and ales that can be found at your local grocery store. They are considered to be some of the highest quality and most robust and flavorful ales and beers in production today. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm still Deacon Jeff, still here with Tom Doran, and still here with... Kelly Walquist. Kelly Joy Walquist. I Kelly guess I have to change my name, Tom said. <laughs> we'll, add, we'll add Joy in there. That's, that's yeah. awesome. So joy-filled. And exactly. we are so excited that you're here with us. We're joy-filled that you're here with us talking about the joy of the new evangelization. Now, I know that a lot of people probably listening now have decided, yes, I need to evangelize. I guess we're in a church that is a mission church. We're supposed to go out. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to do these things. And I understand what evangelization means, and I guess I need to play a part in it. And at that point, that's when they stop and say, well, I guess I'll just watch some television because uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do. And so maybe we can give some examples or some ideas about how does a person, well, an everyday person, evangelize? What are they going to do? What's, what's the first thing they need to do if they want to say, I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to evangelize. Well, I think we start with that, like we said, have that joy in your heart. And how do you get that? You have to have that relationship with Christ. If you're going to go share your relationship with Christ... You better have a relationship with him. I guess you better have one. Exactly right. And how do you do that? You spend time with him. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time with him in in scripture. Get to know him. You know, when we pray, we're speaking to God. When we read scripture, he's speaking to us. And so if you're ever in a relationship, what do you want to do? You want to communicate with that person. That's right. That's right. And I know we have a very holy audience. And I know probably 99.9% of my audience has at least an hour a week of adoration in, in an adoration chapel. I'm just joking, but I but I'm sure it's I was really like, high. Praise God! Yes, Amen. <laughs> There's four people. Listening. I was I was going to say yeah. three. I can't believe you beat me to the joke. <laughs> so, but 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 really, I think a lot of people don't realize just how powerful and how wonderful and how transformative it is to spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. Absolutely. To be in the presence of of the Author of the Universe. I know. You know how awesome that is. Cause and don't you think we kind of take that for granted? I know I, that I know it might be a, a legend or a myth or a story, but we're it was a priest and a and a minister were walking by the Blessed Sacrament, and yeah. the priest knelt down, genuflected, made the sign of the cross, and got up, and the minister said, why did you do that? He said, because we believe that is really Christ. Mm-hmm. That is really Christ. And the minister said, if I believe that, I'd never get off my knees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, we kind of take that for granted. He's right, right there. Yeah, we want to we avoid that, too. I mean, just the yeah. idea. And w- a lot of churches will have these uh, perpetual, uh, perpetual adoration chapels. We've got one at my parish, and I think it actually just really transformed the parish. It's oh, right there in the middle, and, and, and Jesus is there always watching over the parish. Mm-hmm. I agree. We're, we are so very blessed in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, to have so many perpetual adoration chapels. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked earlier. I, I think it is one of the key reasons why our seminary is full 
in Isn't that busing. awesome? It's and beautiful. and that's wonderful. I remember I recently took a person who's a uh, in our RCIA program was asking what now where is this? You got a Jesus Chapel or something somewhere? Where is that? <laughs> so I went down to show her Adoration Chapel, and as we were walking there, I was talking about what Adoration is and what we believe and why, because she wanted to go in and visit. And I told her like the process. Typically, there'll be other folks in there, so you want to be respectful and quiet. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you'll genuflect or whatever, and talked about why we genuflect because you know this is the King and. In, in royalty, you wouldn't have your head above the the, the royal right. person, and so mm-hmm. you just it's just a sign of reverence. And said, you know, that's what we do. And I, and then I, we stopped, and we were right in front of the chapel, and we had this this beautiful glass that you can see, and you could look in, and you could see the Eucharist. And I could really tell that she was kind of now enamored with this mm-hmm. with this concept. And I said, you know, you see that in there. It's like. You know, that's the same God that created the world. That's the same God that walked on water. That's the same God that healed the leper, that that multiplied the loaves and the fishes. That's the same Jesus that did all of that stuff. And you can go and you can sit and be with him. And and just the hair stood up on the back of her neck, as she told me later. And she went and she had a, a beautiful adoration experience for the first time in her life. And so I think Catholics, as you say, take that for granted mm-hmm. and just don't realize how that prepares you to evangelize. Because if you know Jesus, and especially in that very personal way in adoration, he, he's going to let it be known that you know him. And other right. people will see that in you. So look, we hit two big things. You have that relationship with him by spending time with him. Right. You, you pray to the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you say pray to the Holy Spirit. Scripture. Uh, you know, to sit in his word, to meditate on it, Lexio Divina, to, to pray the scriptures. And just mm-hmm. constantly meditate on what is being said to you. And, and then the you Eucharist. go with then you go with a hammer and you start hitting doors in your neighborhood. No. Is that what you do next? No, well, let's think about oh. what you would do. No, you, you know what is the most simple way of of evangelizing is understanding just how simple evangelization is. It just it's to love. It really is. Right. You love the Lord your God and you love the person sitting across from you, and you share that. So how do you share that? You share your story. You you meet them where they are in their need. And, you know, you can hear you can hear someone's heart, their hunger, mm. listen to their story and meet them, meet mm. them where they're where they're at and share your story. How has Christ changed your life? Have, were you suffering when and you turned to him and all this happened to you and he, he brought you back to the church, brought you back to the faith, brought you back to the early church fathers that right. brought you back to the church? Um, so you share with them your story mm-hmm. and then you tell then you tell them who he is, right. what he's all about, you know, cause you're, you're connecting first with their heart. And I think that as I say that I'm looking at like the best example to me besides Christ himself, but the best example of sharing the gospel we see with our blessed mother at, at the visitation, Amen, yeah. you know, she, she just was told she was going to conceive of the Holy spirit, mm-hmm. have a child. It would be a boy. It would be a king in the line of David, and it would be the Messiah. You know, she had a big morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she had a big exactly. morning. And what did she do? Instantly, instantly, she went in haste to Elizabeth. She went in haste to Elizabeth to share mm-hmm. the good news, to share the gospel. And look at what we were just speaking about also is um, come Holy Spirit. Right. Okay, she, she was overshadowed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Her entire life was Alexio Divina. She was meditating on the Word of God within her womb. Mm-hmm. That whole walk, she had to be meditating on what the angel had said to her. Mm-hmm. And she had to be thinking what this meant. 
and then she's she's got the Eucharist. Right. <laughs> right when she's Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. She's, the bread of life is inside right. her. That's awesome. And what's the first thing she does when she sees Elizabeth? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. She I mean, evangelizes. She's, she's evangelizing. She's mm-hmm. she's showing the joy, absolute joy. And in in uh, Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist leaps with joy. And he leaps with joy. <laughs> so we see there the joy of the gospel it, right absolutely. there lived out. And, and when it's brought to you, I was thinking, it's funny, I was meditating about that the other day, thinking Elizabeth had to have known, well, she had to know there was a miracle that took place, right? She's She's old and barren and living in the hills and she all of a sudden is pregnant so she knows there's a miracle happening um and then but that moment when mary reaches her and the baby leaps in her womb think about what elizabeth says now she's talking to her cousin that she's spoken to probably many times and she says how is it that the mother of my lord Mm. right how did those words come out of her mouth so at that moment she must have had just an incredible realization of what that real miracle was. Exactly. So it's like, well, what if we are that person that brings Jesus to someone like Mary did? Mm, and awesome. they have that, bam, moment. Where well, that whole idea of joy, though, and the joy of the gospel, Pope Francis's uh, apostolic exhortation, and the idea of our demeanor when we share the gospel, that's so key, isn't it? Oh, it, it's so key. I mean, look at Mary's demeanor in the, in the visitation. She's, she's singing. Right. She's triumphant. She's joyful. It, it really is. I, you know, we talked about that, um, that quote where we, we bring others to Christ by being a light that's so lovely. Right. But there's a section in that that's, and I'll, I'll mess it up so we'll have to look it up, but we bring others to Christ not by showing them why they're wrong and we're right. Mm-hmm. Or what, you know, right. but by being that light that is so lovely. So I love what Pope... Francis says, and you have this, you, you've taken this to heart. You put this on all your emails. When you send your emails, this quote, and may the world of our time, which is searching, sometimes with anguish, sometimes with hope, be enabled to receive the good news, not from evangelizers who are dejected, discouraged, impatient, or anxious, but from ministers of the gospel whose lives glow with fervor, who have first received the joy of Christ. Right. And you know what? We should probably clarify the difference between joy and human happiness right you can be the most joyful person and and suffer some of the most joyful people i have ever met are those that suffer the most and but they suffer with christ saint paul i I rejoice in my sufferings there's joy there it is it it doesn't mean we're all walking around in blissful happiness right uh it it means that we realize that in everything there is the hope of salvation that's the joy and that's what elizabeth uh, experience that's what John the Baptist experienced, and that's what those that we evangelize to should experience, and that's what Pope Francis is talking about. So when we're going, we're not going to argue to to, to win battles, to to punch people in the in the theological face. We're actually going to spread joy, to spread Jesus wherever we go. Right? right. How awesome! So thank you, Kelly, for joining us today. We really appreciate you being here in the Luxurious Corner booth and helping to share the joy of the gospel with us. Thank you for having me. It's Let's pray. In name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are the Lord and author of all, and you desire that we live and love in your creation in joy. Help us to see in your Son, our Savior, Jesus, the joy of salvation, and share this joy of the gospel to all those we encounter. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com.
www.catholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>